This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. What's the focus on BFM 89.9, The Business Station? BFM 89.9, 9.36am. You're listening to The Morning Run. I'm Shazana Mokdar with Wong Xiaoning and Chong Jen Sun. This is WTF, or What's the Focus, our weekly roundup show of the top stories this week and other news tidbits you may have missed. So since it's the first Friday of the year, we're going to do some crystal ball gazing for the top trends to watch in 2023 across business and politics, a guiding us through this discussion is an article from the Financial Times, uh, which has listed a number of different areas that they'll be keeping an eye on. Uh, Stories and areas that we've been talking about throughout 2022, starting off with energy. I think energy has been one of those uh, impact really impactful um, trends last year with the outbreak of the Ukraine war causing a real energy crunch for Europe. And uh, we've been seeing the repercussions around the world on this. Yeah, I mean, like you said, Shazana, they started 2022 with a bang. Um, At the height of the Russian-Ukraine war, Brent reached about $120 to $130 a barrel. But prices are now just above the $80 range. And 2023, it could represent a new era in energy. It's the beginning of a perhaps a more divided global oil market, which needs to be balanced by the oil price cap imposed by Russia and a China reopening as well. Okay, so if you look at the oil markets, right, I think what happened in uh, the beginning of 2022 was this optimism that, hey, we're all going towards renewable energy, right? And you actually saw oil and gas stocks doing really badly. Ukraine war started, oil prices went through the roof. All companies actually record profits. So you had the likes of, I think, ExxonMobil, mm. BP, Shell, $10 billion. And then people were questioning, hey, should we charge, should we impose a windfall tax, right? And then the backdrop of that was Europe going, oh no, we need energy. Winter's coming. What's going to happen, you know? And then the energy trilemma question came about, right? Because you want it, you want security of energy, you want it at a reasonable price. Uh, but then what happens to the energy renewable, the renewable, uh, you know, the focus that a lot of countries had? Because even in Malaysia, we have uh, zero carbon targets, right? Are we pushing far enough? Yeah, like what is, what's going to be the progress to that, right? Because it's not going to happen overnight. There has to be a transition of short uh, of sorts from fossil fuels to uh, something a little bit cleaner like like gas and then only can we go to renewable energy. But uh, whether those plans have been charted out with enough clarity, um, that that's really the big question. And I think the big answer is n- no, not, not, not really. really. And we didn't see that in COP27 either, right? I think there was a lack of declarations when it came to countries towards their carbon zero pledges. Actually, Funnily enough, in COP27, more noise was made by the corporates who were there than actually the companies. Uh, but I think it's it's going to be interesting to watch certain companies. So, you know, we're all about the money here in the morning run. Now, apparently, according to the Financial Times, which is actually featuring all these, you know, the themes to look out for, a company to watch out for is Shell. They are Europe's biggest energy company this month, and they're going to have a new CEO, Well Sawan. Uh, he's a Shell lifer. I suppose he's always worked there. And he's going to inherit a company making record profits, but still facing big questions about its future. And I think this is something that even maybe Petronas is asking itself. Mm, Indeed. Because they just issued an outlook for 2023 to 2025. And in that outlook, it's more positive, but they too have reaffirmed their renewable energy targets. 
Yeah, I think there really has to be a balance between, um, I guess, um, moving towards renewable energy as well as uh, fossil fuels as well. So I think that's a big challenge for the new CEO at Shell as well, which is expected to come, I think, very soon. So apart from energy, another big uh area that we've been talking about constantly and will continue to be talking about constantly is really that of technology. And I think one thing that um, analysts are looking at is the um, burgeoning of artificial intelligence, actually, I'm in so technology. And, uh, <laughs> have, have you tried ChatGPT? I think that's the newest technology or the latest platform that's out there that's really uh, garnered a lot of attention. It, it's essentially a, an AI that can craft whole articles or craft whole songs or craft any kind of written document that you want on on any issue up to 2021 the really the information repository is limited have up you to tried it i have actually so I, what did you ask i asked them about bfm and they managed to come up with a very nice uh, write-up what on did they what say BFM about us is. they said we were very credible <laughs> Phew! Did they mention names? They didn't mention any names, but the point is that they managed to trawl the huge data data of the internet to come up with um, write ups that uh, that make sense that, okay. that can be convincing. But this is what's concerning is, I guess, how will this uh, technology be used moving forward? Right? I think we can mm. already see these kinds of discussions happening at the university level, where they're asking students, uh, you know, students who are using this, is this considered uh, cheating or? Uh, how technology will imbue itself into our daily lives is a fascinating ongoing debate. Do you know apparently who's scared of this? Is the tech companies, okay? The tech company companies are worried because they're going to have to compete with this AI. Currently, you know, you go to Google and you type whatever you want and poop, something comes out, right? But now you've got this chat GPT. Now, I, to, I've had some exposure to this and because I am shallow, I looked at it on Instagram where this person typed in best chocolate chip cookie and a recipe came out and he actually tried it and he said it was okay, it wasn't the best. But I think more and more people will, you know, will try. But whether it goes mainstream, I think that's to be... You know, I think we have to wait. A related conversation is also on how AI is infiltrating the art world. And you can see a lot of artists being very vocal on social media about how um, they're worried about AI taking their livelihoods, essentially, how people are, how, how AI is being able to trawl the internet for mm. creative um, output and, and then coming up on its own. I think there's a big debate going on now about whether that's ethical, whether that's legal, whether that should be, um, you know, continued or not. So again, this is going to be one of those themes for 2023 and beyond that we'll be watching. Yeah, I might type in a book that beats uh, Fifty Shades of Great Sales, Fifty Shades of Grey Sales, <laughs> I think or the next Harry Potter, something. <laughs> something like that. And voila, I can retire already. What do you all think? <laughs> not so easy, I guess. Not so easy and not so easy. But in any case, uh, another big uh, trend to watch this coming year is, of course, going to be cryptocurrencies. We all saw the implosion of cryptocurrencies in 2022 when the share price dropped from 60, not share price, but the price of cryptos, right? From 60,000 on average, pump plummeting down to the mere tens or teens that it's um that it's hovering at now and of course uh, everyone was uh, very much uh, drawn into the saga of FTX and Sam Bankman-Fried he has been charged and will be going for trial in October something that everyone's going to be keeping laser focus on 
Yeah, I read somewhere when uh, and when Sam Bankman Fried's portrait when it graced the cover of Forbes, which was in October of 2021, the crypto market was worth 2.2 trillion then, and the valuation actually surpassed three million, three trillion a month later. But you moving forward to 2022, there have been numerous collapses and failures. We have Terraform, Terraform Labs, it's a Singapore-based company which created TerraUSD, and then we have Luna, we have Celsius Network. Voyager Digital, Three Arrows Capital, and of course, the most notable was the uh, bankruptcy of the crypto exchange FTX. Yeah, I think uh, this is a space we definitely have to watch. And I'm curious, what will regulators be doing going forward, right? Because you've had many models out there. Uh, do you want a lot of regulation? Do you want less regulation? What's the middle ground? Is it like the wow wow west of a new asset class. But I think it's pretty much here to stay, especially the technology. The blockchain technology, I think, is what's most interesting about uh, cryptocurrencies. And I think we're seeing that even if retailers are, are taking a hands-off approach, or some of them, institutional investors are actually doubling down on cryptos, thinking that um, it makes sense to have some kind of exposure to this moving forward. So it's definitely not the end of the crypto sector, but how it's going to develop, that's going to be a big story for 2023. Yeah, I think Cathy Wood has actually given a prediction for Bitcoin. She, she lost $50 billion last year. Yeah, but you know, she's still giving a prediction. She says it will reach $1 trillion by 2030. Oh, sorry, one million by 2030 for Bitcoin. Huh? The price? Of yes, Bitcoin? the price. One million, one million. 2030? It's so, 16,000 so, now. So buy now to reap it in 2030. Yeah. <laughs> okay, she has a long way to go. But, you know, I mean, she has been their most outspoken Bitcoin. And her name is Evangelist, by the way. Bitcoin Evangelist. Uh, so I think, well, caveat emptor. <laughs> caveat emptor I think that's a good place um, to that's a good point to, to to kind of end on this crypto story but before we break I just want to bring your attention to I, I think one of the biggest deals made in football this year uh, this week saw Cristiano Ronaldo officially presented um, by Al Nasser that's the Saudi Arabia football club um, there he's their latest superstar new signing and uh, he's apparently receiving 75 million US dollars a year making him the highest paid player in history who's he going to play against the Saudi Arabian football teams yeah, it's a, but it's, it's not a very league. vibrant league, is it? He gets paid loads of money. Apparently, he earns two million pounds per branded post on Instagram versus Messi, which is 1.5 million pounds. And after in third place is Neymar with about 800,000 pounds. So the rich just get richer. But in even, the football world. even though he's being paid a lot, he it doesn't it doesn't how to say preclude you from faux pas because apparently at uh, the uh, at, at the presentation ceremony he mistakenly said South Africa instead of Saudi Arabia, uh, which uh, yeah not 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 the you know it's that, that that's quite the gaff really considering who's paying who's footing your salary right, uh, but yes nine forty seven a.m. we are heading into some messages we're going to come back with a look at uh, political recaps of this week and other political trends to watch in the coming year. Keep it here on BFM 89.9. 9.49 a.m. You're listening to The Morning Run. It's WTF or What the Focus. What's the focus? What's the focus? Our weekly recap show. In this half of the show, we're going to take a look at some of the major political trends to watch in 2023, really looking at the elections that we should be keeping an eye on. So last year in 2022, we had a series of elections uh, that kept our attention from South Korea to Brazil to us to us Malaysia <laughs> how can you forget 
that I, jazz? I totally slipped my mind. But yes, uh, we had a pretty historic elections that catapulted in um, Datuk Sri Anwar Ibrahim as the new Prime Minister. But uh, looking at elections this year, some of those um, crucial elections to keep an eye on, uh, one of them is going to be in Turkey and it's going to um, decide whether uh, President uh, Recep Tayyip Erdogan can actually maintain his hold um, on power in the country. Um, it has to be said that currently, economically, Turkey's not doing the best, actually. It's it's seeing um, record inflation of more than 80%. That's far more than the global inflation rate of 12%. Unemployment is at 10%. So um, on the economic front, uh, Turkey's not doing so well. Whether this will be what ousts um, President Erdogan really is everyone's guess. Yeah, but I guess in terms of the opposition, they've really not gotten their act together. Um, I think in terms of the opposition, they have the Miller Nation Alliance, a coalition of parties, which is the main opposition group, and it has yet to even decide on a presidential candidate. And another opposition grouping is the Labour and Freedom Alliance, which is led by the People's Democratic Party, the main political party for the Turkey's, Turkey's Kurdish minority. I think what we'll probably see is that a lot of disgruntled citizens and with the nation so divided now and probably made worse by the economic recession, we may see more runoffs in some of these elections which will happen in 2023. We keep seeing these runoffs, right, increasingly in very polarised way that people vote, um, not only just in the Middle East, but we clearly saw that in places like Sweden, France. Brazil. Brazil, Brazil yeah. Uh, Luna just got uh, sworn into... Uh, He's uh, president was made president just two days ago, and uh, guess what? Bolsonaro was caught eating McDonald's or is it fast food I in think Florida? It was KFC, KFC, is it? <laughs> I know it's some fast food, it's fried chicken. Yeah, he a consolation even, meal. He didn't even want to attend the ceremony. Hmm, interesting, right? Uh, but other countries that are heading towards elections, Pakistan, right? No later than 23rd October. So Prime Minister Imran Khan, um, a former cricket star, he lost his no-confidence vote in parliament. And this, it's, Pakistan has had like multiple prime ministers and unfortunately also faced, many of them faced assassination attempts. It seems to be a country that is in a fair bit of political turmoil. That's right. I mean, it was quite shocking the way um, the government j collapsed in, in April last year. Uh, so they have a new prime minister in place now, but uh, whether who is going to take the reins of power, Imran Khan remains incredibly influential still. Uh, that's something to watch. Another uh, election closer to home that we need to keep an eye on is that of Thailand, actually. They are due to have general elections on the 7th of May. Um, and I think that's something everyone is really watching to see who will be able to uh, get the seat of prime minister, uh, given that the current prime minister um, isn't in the most secure position at the moment. Yeah, and it looks like uh, Thaksin's faction might be back in power, right? Because I, I do believe he's it, his niece is one of the front runners to be prime minister. Am I correct? So it'll be interesting to see how these Thai elections actually pan out. But the good news for the existing uh, government, incumbent government, is that the economy is improving. Tourism has reopened. We know that's a huge contributor towards GDP. As a result, we look at the economy, 3.7% forecast for 2023. Unemployment will also come down below 2%, 1.2% only for a country, for its country. All right. Uh, so apart from elections on the international Sorry, front... Sorry, daughter. The daughter, daughter, not his niece. The no, daughter. All daughter. right. 
Uh, apart from elections on the international front, we also need to keep an eye out for elections on the local front because state elections in six states are due to be held this year before May. Um, so I think it's the guessing game can begin now in terms of when that's actually going to be called. We did see news headlines this week about Pakatan Harapan leaders meeting before Chinese New Year to sort of iron out those details on um, how they plan to run in these state elections. And I think the big question is whether we're going to see uh, Pakatan Harapan and Barisan National emulate their uh, tie up at the federal level in these state elections as well. Yeah, I think the state elections will also be a litmus test on whether the strength seen for PN in the general elections is still sticky and is still valid. And I think another key issue is really is if people really want to come out and vote again. I think that's a, that would be an interesting thing to watch, right? Because normally these state elections are held um, in parallel with the federal election. So you come out and you vote twice. But now having to come out again to vote, uh, what will that do to the voter turnout? I think traditionally, if we see in other countries such as the US, where they have something called the midterm elections, midterm election turnouts tend to be much lower because the stakes are deemed as lower. You're not mm-hmm. electing your president. You're just electing um, lesser, sort of lesser seen officials. Uh, could that also play out in our state elections? That's something that we will watch. And will people vote like, uh, you know, like in the US, typically when it comes to midterms, it's seen as a protest vote, right? So it usually goes against uh, the those the president, at least the party that he belongs to. So are we going to see this again when it comes to the state elections? Uh, so I think we'll be following this story very, very closely on BFM throughout all the different programs. And yeah, so some of the trends that we saw, will it be repeated in state elections? Or will people, depending when it happens, think, hey, you know, this this new administration is pretty good. You know, it has improved my life. And that is then reflected in hmm. the state elections. I mean, I guess because we saw the Padang Serai uh, by-election that was held immediately after the yeah. general elections. That one definitely went in the favour of Perikata National. Uh, we saw that the PHBN um, tie-up didn't really uh, make much effect on that front. Whether things will change a couple months down the road, I think uh, it's going to be an interesting litmus test for sure. Um, and I guess still sticking to the issue of politics, um, I would like to uh, maybe ask if either of you have seen those headlines regarding something called a London move. Oh, and- yes. They were like these blurry pictures of someone purported to be our former Prime Minister in London. But I don't think anyone has confirmed or confirmed the story, has it? I feel like it's been mostly denials because um, former Prime Minister Dr. Sri Ismail Sabri said that um, he hasn't been in London. He's, He's been in Dubai. Dubai yes. Right? Yeah. <laughs> he Disney was at, World in Dubai. That's right. Dis- <laughs> no, no, Warner Studios. Yeah, there's no Disney World right, in Dubai. Okay. I, I yeah, know there was a family portrait of uh, family picture, right? And it, they, they weren't definitely in London in that picture anyway. So um, that's part of the intrigue that's coming out ahead of the UMNO General Assembly that's due to take place from the 11th uh, 13th, 11th to 14th of January, uh, definitely in a couple days' time. Um, so everyone's looking to see who will actually be able to um, take the leadership helm of the very storied uh, GOP of Malaysia, essentially. Yeah, I suppose even in the first place, I, whether there will be a, t- a contest for the top two seats, I think that's up for debate. Nobody really knows for sure. Uh, some say it might happen. Some say it might not happen. I think that will be resolved at this General Assembly. But what is happening is for sure that they're going to change their party constitution so that you cannot 
party hop anymore. So it does reflect the change in our legislation. That's right. Um, and uh, I guess we should also still keep an eye on any events happening over in Sabah. Uh, I think overnight uh, it came out that um, Sabah Chief Minister Datuk Sri Hajiji um, said that uh, he still has the numbers in the State Assembly. But uh, whether there will be any rocking of the boat uh, remains to be seen, I suppose. Something that uh, we should all be keeping an eye on. Yeah. Um, we'll be following this story nonetheless, right? Uh, there was that presser, supposedly by uh, Warisan, that just ended up to be a tea party because no politician turned up. And I think, uh, you know, there were a lot of press that just waited and Indeed. waited and waited. That's right. Please treat us nicely or <laughs> you know, more kindly in any case. All right. Uh, before we wrap up the show, let's get uh, the uh, recommendation of op-eds to read before you head off into the weekend. Shouting, what do you have for Ooh, us? A rather divisive article by P. Gunasegaram. Uh, he, of course, is a business writer and also frequent guest on, on BFM. And he has written an article in Malaysia Kini entitled, Look Should Resign If He Can't Handle Airline Refunds. Interesting, interesting. What is what is the article, I guess, uh, allude to or what is the article trying to imply? Uh, basically, he says that, uh, I'm reading, I'm reading, uh, reappointed Transport Minister DAP Secretary General Anthony Lok shows no inclination to keep his distance from Air Asia. Okay, so it's uh, questions on whether Air Asia has close oh, whether he's ties. independent, yeah, okay. and questions about you know is he going to be on the side of consumers? Because yeah, I think that's let's be honest, there's quite a fair bit of uh, unhappiness on social media with regards to the Air Asia refunds, delay of flights. But every airline has its fair share of complaints, right? Indeed, indeed. Uh, yep, interesting to see how this is going to play out then. It's coming up to 9.59 in the morning. That's all we have on WTF. What's the focus on the morning run today? We have the 10 a.m. News Bulletin coming up next and then it's over to Enterprise BFM 89.9. What's the focus on BFM 89.9, The Business Station? You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.